text for the sermon is taken from the gospel. Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about him when he saw her and said, Daughter, uh, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, Jesus was on his way to the home of a synagogue official whose daughter had just died. And the Bible says that he came to Jesus and knelt before him in worship. And he asked Jesus to come and lay hands upon his daughter who had just died. And she would live, he was sure. Jesus rose up and followed the ruler back to his home. And a big, rambunctious crowd tagged along, as we often see uh, in the New Testament. Uh, within that crowd, there was a very sick woman. Uh, she had suffered from an issue of blood for 12 years. Uh, that meant that she was considered unclean according to the law of Moses. And from a Jewish point of view, she's in the process of dying spiritually. And that was the outward and visible sign of it. And she was not permitted to worship God publicly in the synagogue or the temple. Furthermore, she had been sick, sick since puberty. I know this from other texts uh, that I can explain to you later, but I'm certain that she'd been sick since puberty. And that would place her at this point in her mid-twenties. Furthermore, her affliction would have kept her from marriage. And if she became ill after marriage, which is unlikely, it would have led to a divorce. Uh, she was almost certainly childless. Luke uh, preserves this same story, uh, but with a good but deal of, of detail. Luke was, after all, a physician. Uh, for example, he tells us that this young woman had spent just about every penny she had uh, on physicians and none of them could heal her. Uh, the situation of being husbandless and childless uh, would have been unbearable uh, for her. The Bible says that the life is in the blood. Uh, this woman's life was seeping away, and there was nothing that she could do about it. She tried everything. Uh, she wasn't even supposed to be uh, in a crowd like this. According to the law, uh, anyone who accidentally touched her uh, would be made unclean as well and banned from synagogue and temple worship. Hopeless spiritually cut off from a community, uh, worship, and her family. Uh, she must have felt cut off from God as well. Whether she felt it or not, from the point of view of the law of Moses, she was separated from God. Uh, but there she was, because somehow she had heard rumors about Jesus, about his power to heal, and to even raise the dead. And somehow she grew more and more confident that Jesus could do what no one else could do and that he would do it. 
and she said within herself, if I could only touch the fringe of his cloak, I'll be healed. Such was her faith. And so she made her way through this crowd and came up behind Jesus, reached out, and with her hand brushed the border of his garment. Luke says Jesus felt the virtue flow from him into that woman. And he turned around and he fixed her with, her eye, with his eyes. Immediately she was healed and Jesus stopped. Uh, and he said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made thee whole. The word that he uses for daughter here is overwhelmingly used to acknowledge kinship as in a female relative, a female descendant. By calling her daughter, Jesus was welcoming her dependence upon him and establishing for her a new family, the family of God. Excluded as she was, from temple worship and synagogue were excluded as she was in all likelihood from her biological family. And with no one else in the world, God welcomed her into his own family as his daughter. And then he encouraged her with a, it's just one single word that we have to translate in, into a phrase, be of good courage, take heart. Now this is hardly... Uh, of course, the sort of welcome that she was used to. She has been translated from uh, alienation, uh, from Israel and community, and as I said, her, her biological family into the comfortable lap of the family of God himself. Now, this woman represents each one of us. She typifies every man which is radical, a very a radical thing to say, if we pass over to the point of view uh, of antiquity and of women in Palestine in this day. Let me tell you something. Nobody ever loved women like Jesus Christ loved women. No one ever had a gathering of women around him like Jesus had. You don't see women following John the Baptist, do you? That's almost a punch of a joke when you say it. No one ever liberated women from the real slavery that they have suffered throughout history like Jesus did and like he continues to do today. You look at this. Here's a woman who for the church represents all of humanity. Because we're all sick unto death. Without Jesus, we're all bleeding to death. That's not to say uh, that this woman is sick because of sin, uh, her sin or personal sin. That be uh, that would be uh, uh, sorely to underestimate sin if we were to connect it always with physical illness. Here's a picture of a man or a woman who is sick unto death cut off from community, and cut off from God, alienated from God and God's people. But God has not left her alone. She is not alienated. 
Jesus our God stops in his tracks for this woman. And he stops for us as well. Jesus turned about. And when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith have made thee whole. When the woman touched Jesus, it was as if time stood still. Uh, if this were a movie, uh, the action would have stopped. The camera may have zoomed into the human face of Jesus Christ to show his compassion. Our God and Savior. And then maybe it would have cut to the face of this woman, his daughter. Who has been abandoned and hopeless until he came into her life. Right in the midst of his stride, Jesus stopped. And for a moment it was as though for Jesus nothing in the world was more important than this woman. She was not just a poor unimportant woman lost in a crowd. She was the one for whom Jesus gave his whole life. And for Jesus none of us is ever lost in the crowd. None of us unimportant or unwanted. Not one is so far gone spiritually that his touch cannot bring us back to life and whole life and good life and abundant life. He's told his apostles, he said, everybody may reject you, your community may reject you, your family may reject you. But I'm not going to reject you. God doesn't reject you. Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. And that ends the account, that very short account of the story uh, that we have in Matthew. As I said, you can look over at Luke and see a much fuller detailed account of that story. Uh, from there, the text places Jesus in the home of the synagogue ruler whose daughter had just died. Uh, and, and, and there he confronts the mourners uh, within that man's house. Uh, children died frequently in those days. And as a matter of fact, they still die all over the world, frequently. In the poorest parts of the Roman Empire, up to a half of live births did not survive into their teens. Think about that, a half. Uh, in, in the voices of Moabeth, Eamon Duffy chronicles the lives of the parishioners in that 16th century parish in England. And that, it, it's the parish register that will break your heart. I've never thought of a parish register like that, Father. That the register, just that little, that red book that we keep accounting of our services has so much pathos and heartbreak. It opens our eyes to the broken hearts of so many parents who lost their little children to death in those years. The many, many deaths, rather than the registered births, 
that bring about a sobering focus through the litany of a relentless grief of bereaved parents. As some historians say, have suggested that parents in the past hardened by the overwhelmingly frequent loss of children in infancy held themselves back from bonding with their children and therefore they did not grieve as we do today. I, I don't believe that. Uh, I don't believe that. I think parents of all ages have well known the bitterness of grief because they love their babies, they love their children. This man certainly loved his daughter. There came a certain ruler and worshiped Jesus saying, my daughter is dead. But if you come and lay hands on her, she will live. And Jesus got right up and, and walked with her. And everybody else got up and followed. When Jesus arrived at the man's home, the professional mourners were already there. Now, in that climate, they decomposition, uh, decompon, uh, composition was rapid, and for that reason, uh, all the rituals associated with death in that culture were quickly performed, gathered up, and accomplished. The mourners were important, uh, and they were hired to display grief as openly and publicly as possible. Uh, we do other things. Uh, in our culture, in our day, we send flowers. Uh, we spend money on expensive-looking coffins and cosmetics to make the beloved appear to be sleeping rather than dead because we will spend a lot of money to deny the reality of death. Back then, it was impossible. Spend all the money you want to. You can't deny it. It only takes a few hours Even the poorest families were expected to have a couple of mourners, and this man was not poor, so he had quite a few there. So here we have in this story two grieving persons. We have a poor, uh, a poor woman who is by herself in the world. And we have a, a grief stricken father who is a man of wealth uh, and well known in his community both have the same weakness and devastation in their life which is death both have the same human frailty and both come to discover their utter complete dependence upon Jesus Christ both are bereaved and driven to Jesus by desperation, which is frequently the case. Most of us don't come to Jesus until we're desperate. Somebody, we were talking the other day, uh, one of the priests and I, and we were talking about vices and virtues and, and how frequently vices have to just burn themselves out before the virtues will emerge. And you see the deadliness of the vice. And you see the liveliness of the virtue. No one, uh, they had, these two had no one else to turn to. And they had nothing to lose because frankly they had, lost, they had lost everything else. They were devastated. 
and they turn to Jesus Christ. Well, here's the takeaway for you. Uh, if Peter had touched that woman with the issue of blood, he had been made unclean. Uh, if any of the apostles or anybody else had touched her, she would have been made unclean. But uh, uh, she touched Jesus, and Jesus was not made unclean by her. In fact, uncleanness uh, and, or sin uh, or, or, or the, the frailty and damage of human nature uh, that is very real doesn't do any harm to God. When it comes in touch with God, God heals it. And that's the story. That's what that story is about. Nothing harms God. Sin doesn't harm God. Frailty doesn't harm God. God destroys frailty and restores wholeness. And that's the story. And that's where I'm going to stop. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.